Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. again it is hour two of mornings with carmen on tuesday the 5th of april and if you missed hour one let me just say you should go back and listen to it you know some days you think to yourself that was uh those are pretty good conversations we we talked about some stuff we brought the mind of christ to bear on the issues of our day and um, that'd be a good one maybe to share with others and so how do you do that well you go to myfaithradio.com and you go to the mornings with carmen page and you share um, the links to the audio that will be posted later this morning. Um, or you can do so from the Faith Radio app as well. would love for you to be a radio missionary and invite other people into this community. Also give you really good, you know, like fodder for conversation with them later today or in the days to come. Because then you can be like, hey, did you hear Carmen say this? And they would be like, yes, and I disagreed with her and here's why. And that'll, that'll make me the bad guy in the conversation and that'll help you. So there you go. You can throw me under the bus anytime you need to. Um, reading the Bible together during Holy Week. I'll be doing it. Will you be doing it? So you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up. You're going to learn about Jesus's final days before his death and resurrection. We're going to read across the Gospels during this Holy Week. Um, And we'd love to send you the free study guide. Um, It is going to be available online as well, but we'd love to send it to you. Um, and then you can follow along. And so in order to get that in the mail soon enough for you to receive it uh, prior to Holy Week, I need you to just go right now to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for reading the Bible together during Holy Week. We're going to also have a daily podcast that is dedicated to that as well. So love for you to join us in all of that. Do you love freedom? Just pause there for just a second. Do you love freedom? Are you a freedom-loving person? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to love freedom? Would you fight for it? Would you fight for it just for you? Just for your freedom? Just for the freedom of people you know and love? Like, how much do we love freedom? And how much are we willing to sacrifice that others would live free. And what would that mean? What does it mean to live in freedom? What freedom do we love so much that we would fight for it, even with a willingness to die for it? So it's a big question. I mean, you first have to start with defining the freedom that you love and the freedom for which you would fight and the freedom for which you would die and on whose behalf, like how far does that extend That is the underlying question beneath the questions about Ukraine. It is about life, and it is about self-determination. So it is about democracy, but it is about liberty. It is about the dignity and value of human life. It's about a lot of things. 
So I want you to roll this question over in your mind and find an answer. Do I love freedom? And what freedom do I love? Um, because freedom has lots of definitions. And so if we have this proposed shared love of freedom, and that is the foundation of our common life, then we have to get to the answer to the question of what is it that we love so much that we would fight and die for it? If you've ever wondered what is it that is under the conversations about America, about the United States of America, it is this conversation. It is this conversation. What does this massive number of individuals collectively love so much? What is the shared love that unites us in such a way that we have made it the foundation of our common life? All right. Well, there you go. That's something to roll around in and chew chew on and, um, yeah, and think about today. And obviously, you're going to get to the place and to the conversation of uh, of the love of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and from that freedom flow all others. Absolutely. Absolutely. But not every American loves Jesus. And so not every American, when they say that they love freedom and that they're a freedom-loving person, not every single one of them means by that, I love Jesus first, and then from that freedom flows a desire for other people to live free. So... um I have been noodling on that, and I will continue to noodle on it and invite you to do so as well. We're going to continue our conversation, just you and me, here in just a moment. We're going to have a conversation about justice. It's a super-duper complicated story. Um, But the question of whether or not children whose lives are taken um, in late-term abortions, if there could be any justice for them. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, Paul calls this leftovers, which is why you're hearing that little ditty about cold pizza for breakfast. My uh, preferred leftover breakfast is lasagna, in case you were wondering. Not a lot of people wondering, what does Carmen like for leftover breakfast? Paul, what do you like for leftover breakfast? Bringing Paul Perot, our producer, on here to answer uh, this. All of the above, you know. I'll mm-hmm. do pizza, I'll do lasagna, or mm-hmm. almost anything that's leftovers. I'm okay with mm. that. Okay, it's good. Leftovers for breakfast. All right, so here's some uh, some news stories that have my attention that I would like to spend a few minutes unpacking with you so that we can bring the mind of Christ to bear on these particular matters of the day. So this um, article appeared in the Washington Post on the 1st of April, um, and yet it is not a uh, an April Fool's joke. This is This is true. Excuse me. The medical examiner in the District of Columbia will not autopsy fetuses that have been removed um, from an uh, from an activist home. So here's what's going on. Um, there is an an anti-abortion activist, and into her custody were brought um, the fetal remains of several children whose whose lives were terminated past the legal point um, of, of late-term abortion. 
And so the fetuses, it is alleged, uh, these children were all the victims of late-term abortions. And therefore, they are victims of a crime. So Lauren Handy, who is a well-known anti-abortion protester uh, in Washington, D.C., she took custody of these five dead babies, all of whom were aborted past the 27-week legal limit. Um, And um, they were turned over to her by a whistleblower who worked at a Washington, D.C. abortion clinic. So she had arranged for the police to pick up these remains with the expectation that then it would be investigated as a crime. And as a part of that, the, um, uh, the remains would need to be autopsied. Well, the D.C. medical examiner has refused to autopsy um, the children and um, simply, uh, simply stating that uh, it appears that these fetuses had been aborted, quote, in accordance with D.C. law, does not seem to be anything criminal in nature. Um, only, the only criminal except for how they got into this person's house. So the question is, how did the anti-abortion person uh, come into possession of fetal remains? Not um, were these individuals um, murdered past the point uh, that it is legal in our nation's capital. So there's a, um, you know, there's layers of conversation here. And I think that the justice conversation is one we absolutely want to have. In many states across the country, when a pregnant woman is murdered, um, there are two counts of murder. The child inside her is considered a person whose whose life is um, worthy and counted. Um, and the person who takes the life of the mother and thus takes the life of the child is charged with a double homicide. And yet we have this incredible double standard when it is the mother who wants to participate in the murder of her unborn child. And this is not a condemnation um, of you if you are a person who has had an abortion. But this is an invitation for you to consider the gravity of your action and for you to consider before the Lord the life that he alone has the right to give and take away. And there are ministries available and lots of resources um, for those dealing with post-abortive trauma, men and women. And so let me encourage you to make use of those if you are a person who has abortion in your past. But I want to be a forward-looking person as well, recognizing that the abortion conversation is one that we must have as a nation. And if we're not having it privately, that we cannot have it publicly in any way that's ultimately going to make a whole lot of sense. So, what is your, um, where do you stand on this? I was going to say what's your opinion, but actually opinions don't matter. This is a life and death conversation, so opinions are irrelevant. Where do you stand on the subject of abortion? And why do you stand there? And then look at the grounds you're standing on 
and ask yourself, is this the firm foundation? Or is this shifting sand? I am pro-life from conception to natural death. Where are you? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. Um, Thank you for weighing in on the text line. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Um, You can text me. 877-933-2484. Appreciate your engagement there. There is an article in the the New York Post that caught my attention because, you know, I'm I'm concerned about uh, the way God defines things and the way we then um, suppress the truth about those same things and how as a culture, and then not just a culture here in the United States, but as a post-Christian culture in many places in the world, how we take the good things of God, in this case marriage, and we completely, utterly corrupt them. And so there is a man uh, in Brazil. He's a model, also a self-described swinger. He married nine women to celebrate, quote, free love. Um, and now one of those women is divorcing him because, well, She didn't want to share her husband. She wanted to have her husband all to herself. Now, when she got into this conversation, um, did she not understand? Maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't understand God's good design of monogamy. Um, But now, after being in a polygamous marriage, which is outlawed in Brazil, by the way, Um, but he married nine women nonetheless. Um, This one woman says that she misses the reality of a monogamous relationship. Um, So I think it gives us an opportunity to talk about, because it's such an absurd case, right? This is such an absurd case. Um. It gives us the opportunity to talk about what happens when we forget what marriage is really all about and who defines it. Marriage is a good and positive and a wonderful gift of God. It is God's design, not only for human well-being um, and for the birth and nurture of children, uh, but for the ordering of society. It's also reflective of, of a spiritual and eternal reality. The church is the very bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. There is a marriage feast um, described, and not just described, but it is the reality to which we are all actively moving. Um, And the bride is going to be presented to the bridegroom holy and unblemished, pure. And so when we make a mockery of it here, um, like, you know, this man who supposedly married nine women, and the photographs, by the way, are in inside a church, and a person dressed as a priest is presiding. So the whole thing is is a mockery. It's a total mockery of um, God's good gift of marriage. But it highlights the conversations that need to be taking place um, about what marriage really is. God's good design of us as complementary beings, male and female, and the giving of us one to the other. 
in holy matrimony, that the marriage bed would be undefiled and kept pure. And all of those things, you may be shaking your head and saying, Carmen lives in a, in a foreign time. Well, Carmen has a bit of a medieval mind. Um, my, my mind is formed and informed by the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And you're going to immediately protest and say, well, <laughs> there's, there's plenty of uh, polygamy in the Bible. Yes, but it's not uh, what God affirms. God sets out, lays out his good design in Genesis, and Jesus not only uh, blesses it by his presence at the, at the wedding at Cana, Jesus articulates what marriage is all about in, when he's answering questions about divorce. So the questions about the perversion of marriage um, are not new. Um, polyamory is not new. Polygamy is not new. And we need to be the people who talk about the oldest of all of the varieties, the good, the good one, the good story, the positive design. God created them male and female and gave them to each other, one to the other, um, that the two would become one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no one separate. Part of the reason that God um, made us the way he made us and made us for this unique relationship of marriage was that we might have children right? The birth and nurture of children, the well-being of children is a part of God's good design um, for human marriage and human life. And so when we um, misunderstand what marriage is, we misunderstand who we are, we don't understand that we're the image bearers of God created male and female, and we imagine that marriage could be whatever uh, we, uh, I mean, yeah, imagine it to be. It's, it's an idol. It's an, it's, it's, created in our image. It's an imagination. Leads us to stories like this. Heather Wilhelm Rutenberg and her wife, Robbie Rutenberg Wilhelm, um, are are a gay married couple, um, and they wanted to have a child or children, but they only wanted to have girls. They insisted they only wanted to have girls. Neither one of them wanted a man in their body. And so they made a a legal contractual deal in which the fertility clinic guaranteed that they would only have a girl. So we're talking here um, not only about um, the quote-unquote marriage of two biological women, but we are talking about the commodification of children. Um, We are talking about advanced technologies used to create designer babies. And yes, we are talking about a lawsuit brought against a fertility clinic for um, failing to uphold a guarantee that they would only have a girl. This baby boy knows he is not the baby they wanted. He's being raised by these two individuals. Yeah. They acknowledge, you know, he's innocent. He doesn't deserve any of this. um, But they want the clinic to be held uh, responsible. And they want them to pay. This is what's going on in our culture. So deeply confused have we become about relationships and ourselves and marriage and 
marriage without a man, children without sex, not the children or not the child that they ordered, um, the claim that the clinic has perpetrated a, a personal assault. There's such an obsession with the self. Not to mention, there's a real child really at the center of all of this. God help us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Four million uh, people in Ukraine um, have left the country. They are technically refugees beyond the borders and boundaries. Tens of millions of others are internally displaced, which means they cannot go back. Um, And they are living somewhere within Ukraine, within the borders, but not in their own cities and certainly not in their own homes. Um, We're going to talk with Andy Carr from Feed My Starving Children uh, about their partnerships in the region. And we're going to talk about a unique partnership that we have here at Faith Radio um, to come alongside Feed My Starving Children in their efforts to feed refugees in the midst of the crisis in Ukraine. Your gift of $40 a month or more. So here at Faith Radio, your gift of $40 a month or more is going to be matched by a generous donor at Feed My Starving Children to immediately feed 40 refugees um, in the Ukraine crisis. So more on that here in just a moment on Faith Radio. Yesterday, we served about, uh, we talked about being compassionaries. What does it look like to discover that um, place and space where God is inviting you into the holy work of serving others in ways that they are not able to provide for themselves? Today, we're going to talk about one very specific um, critical ministry, and that is a ministry of providing food for people who do not have access to any. Um, And so Andy Carr joins us now from Feed My Starving Children. Andy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. It's uh, great to be here with you today. So let me start with a little personal celebration. I understand that uh, Clara Kate entered entered the world last night, your fourth um, grandbaby. You are correct, and uh, we're just thrilled to uh, to have another life uh, in the world and uh, and, uh, to be a part of our family. And we've been praying for Clara Kate here for nearly nine months, and we're uh, thrilled to welcome her to this world. Well, welcome. Welcome to the world, baby girl. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it, it, life is a great gift, and um, and for many people right now, um, a very, very real challenge. So, Andy, tell us, um, tell us about Feed My Starving Children as an organization, um, and then specifically about um, efforts in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, so, Carmen, you know, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I, I just want to call people's attention uh, here, especially in in the Western world. Um, you know, in that first world problems that we have, uh, many of the times it doesn't involve the fact that uh, that we can't eat. Um, and and I don't mean to to belittle the fact that there are people that have food insecurities, but we have options to find food. Um, Feed My Starving Children is a, a Christian uh, humanitarian relief organization that for over 30 years have been providing meals across the globe. Uh, in our history, we've sent uh, over 3.4 billion meals around the world. 
Um, on any given year right now, um, Feed My Starving Children, uh, we feed over a million people a day every single day. Um, we have promised this year before Ukraine, and I'll touch on Ukraine in a moment, but we've promised to partners in over 70 countries that we would send 425 million meals uh, across the globe. And we're funded by donors, uh, just like this network, and uh, and our donors uh, love the fact that we get to be a part of the body of Christ, and we get to share a very tangible thing with a meal, but we also get to share the love of Jesus through those meals. Feed My Starving Children, um, in in identifying these partners and, and sending this food, really looks to the fact that the reason that that food is needed is the fact over 6,200 children starve to death every single day. And that's a statistics that we don't, we aren't bragging about, but, but it's identifying the fact that that is not in our culture. Um, in, in the West, in, in the U.S., uh, if somebody were to die from starvation, somebody's going to go to jail. In the places that we're serving, that unfortunately don't have access to nutrition. Uh, that's just a, a cold, hard reality. The good news is we have a solution. It's like, think of it like a disease. We have the cure. The cure for starvation is food. So we put together what's called Mana Pack, and, uh, and it's vitamins, vegetables, soy, and rice. And it's uh, assembled by donors, uh, by, by, I'm sorry, by volunteers who come into our packing sites. Uh, so we have packing sites in Minneapolis, Chicago, Dallas, and Phoenix. They put on hairnets for two hours at a time and six days a week, five times a day. Uh, they can come and participate in a hands-on, tangible way. And then we also do mobile packing activities where we come out to churches, schools, businesses, community centers uh, across the United States and put on packing activities. Um, so many of your listeners may have participated, but they might be in a place that hasn't had one. And they can go to our website, fmsc.org, and find out all about the opportunities to join us and in uh, the work that we do. All right. So FMSC, Feed My Starving Children, fmsc.org. You can find out about volunteering um, at, at one of the packing sites, and you can put together mana packs, or you could host a mobile packing activity at your business school, your church, your community center. Um, and this is a really great time to do that because people are very, very aware of the refugee um, crisis and situation, and Feed My Starving Children is, um, is filling orders right now for ministry partners in Ukraine. And so you're saying to yourself, well, how else can I be a part? Well, we are partnering here at Faith Radio with Feed My Starving Children. Um, it's a really unique giving opportunity. If you support Faith Radio right now at our Team 40 level, they have a donor at Feed My Starving Children who is going to match your donation and send 40 meals to um, to people who are fleeing um, their homes in Ukraine. So some of them are internally displaced within Ukraine, others of them in the surrounding countries. So um, we're talking again with Andy Carr. You can find all the information about what we're discussing today, um, as well as some of those opportunities to volunteer at FMSC, Feed My Starving Children, fmsc.org. Andy, let's talk um, a little bit more specifically about Ukraine and the region or the countries in the region surrounding Ukraine. I know that the efforts here are in Poland, Romania, and Moldova in addition to Ukraine. Yeah, that's correct. Um, 
you know, we, we have a deep, longstanding relationship with Ukraine. Uh, in the last eight years, we've sent over 12 and a half million meals uh, to that country. There was already a country in turmoil. Uh, you know, they, they weren't um, from from a lot of what had happened, you know, post-Cold War um, in, in that whole Eastern Europe um, and, and what has led to this crisis and, and war right now. Uh, is not something that just popped up. Um, it's been ongoing. And so our partners that have been dealing there have been on the ground feeding people in need and sharing the, the gospel. Um, one of our primary partners there, Mission Eurasia, is uh, just a tremendous partner. They trained up people and sent all across uh, that region of the world to share the gospel. Um, it's a very dark place. And uh, and Christianity, while it's it's not banned, it's certainly not uh, as prevalent as what you would see in, in, in our neighborhoods. Uh, so they've got work to do. And, uh, and they have just been tremendous partners. And as this war uh, erupted and unfolded, they uh, reached out and said, uh, you know, we're going to need more food. And, uh, and, and we have been watching closely, as well as other partners who work in that area and in those surrounding countries. So we have committed right now um, over 4.3 million meals, and we have more requests coming in literally daily um, for more food. So some of it's already there. Uh, other is in route and others will be produced and shipped as uh, as they get into the slotting kind of the way any supply chain kind of thing would work. But uh, the demand is uh, is incessant right now. So we have, um, Andy, I think a good question from a listener, and that's the question of accountability. Um, you know, how how do you know? Um, how do you ensure that, um, you know, the meals are actually getting to the people. And I think, first of all, it's the answer to this question is you're sending meals, not money. Correct. So can you, can you clarify that you're packing the meals here? They are going into shipping containers. They are then transferred into the custody of um, organizations that are on the ground um, feeding people. Correct. And, and we have a 30 year history with these folks and, uh, and our program, our programming team works closely with these people. They, they're not kind of Johnny come lately, so to speak, um, on the, you know, showing up and just handing it out. They, uh, these are people that we know and, uh, and we work with and, and frankly, uh, my team and, uh, my boss, uh, have been to, to this very place that, uh, that in, in Kiev where, uh, Mission Eurasia was headquartered. I've got a story that I can tell you uh, here that uh, that that headquarters building has actually been demolished. Um, it was mm. it was blown apart, um, and uh, the Mission Eurasia folks sent us over some devastating pictures uh, that that showed that uh, the Russian Marines uh, had been there, and uh, and they their their quote was uh, they're trying to wipe us out, but we will not be stopped. And uh, they have pictures that they burned Bibles, they burned uh, their facility to the ground trying to stop the efforts that they're doing to, to help the people who have remained behind, the, the people that couldn't flee, uh, or the fighters that are there trying to defend their homeland. Um, and, uh, and we know these people. That's how we can assure that this food is getting to where it needs to go. Um, you know, they're, they're working in a war zone. So uh, we're praying, and every meal that's packed with Be My Starving Children, we pray over every single meal. And in our history, we know over 99.8% of those 3.4 billion meals have reached the places around the globe that they were destined for. And so uh, that's how we get it there. 
All right. When we come back, Andy, I'm going to ask you to tell us um, some stories um, out of the region and let us know what you're hearing directly from our, our friends at Mission Eurasia. Um, again, we're talking with Andy Carr from Feed My Starving Children. Faith Radio is partnering with Feed My Starving Children during the month of April. We would like to see more meals supplied um, to people fleeing the war uh, in Ukraine, both those internally displaced and those leaving the country as refugees. And so um, Feed My Starving Children has a very generous donor that is matching your gifts to Faith Radio. So you make a gift to Faith Radio through our um, uh, Team 40 or higher giving level. And a donor to Feed My Starving Children is going to match that and send 40 meals to people who are hungry and in need of them right now um, in Ukraine. So it's a great, um, wonderful partnership. We're going to continue our conversation about it in just a moment. Feeding God's uh, starving children um, around the world is accomplished in in micro ways and in in ways that are mega and mammoth. And feed my starving children is on um, on the mammoth end of that. And we're talking about the packing of uh, a manna kit that includes sustenance for an individual and is healthy and provides um, for their nutrition and um, enables them to live another day. And we're talking with Andy Carr, Vice President of Development and Marketing for Feed My Starving Children. You can find them at fmsc.org. Andy, um, bring us some stories from the region. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard from our partners in, in Mission Eurasia and, and a couple of them that jump out at me. Uh, one of them was a story about uh, a Lydia. Lydia is an 88-year-old, and uh, she lives uh, in one of the, the areas outside of Kiev, and uh, she doesn't have any um, any family uh, left. Her son died a long time ago, and her daughter-in-law and grandson fled to f- to get safety abroad. Um, she has poor eyesight. She was depending on social services uh, that used to help her uh, to to really provide for her basic needs and uh, that has ceased to exist and she also is a woman that that you know is is proud of the fact that she's been independent but she didn't really uh, have much of an opportunity to to seek help and she was kind of embarrassed and uh, but a few days ago she realized that she was out of food and uh, she finally called one of her neighbors and let him know and thankfully the mission Eurasia program was contacted by this neighbor and uh, that same day, Lydia was able to receive a box filled with food, which she was so emotional and, and grateful for. And there's so many people like Lydia that because of this humanitarian crisis, they, these are the people that can't flee, um, that don't have the means to, to get out, um, and, or they, they didn't have uh, transportation. So Mission Eurasia um, is, is trying to supply the needs with food and hygiene kits and medicine and things that they can, uh, they can find the people that, that are in need. And they're kind of shuttling people. They, they've got a fleet of, uh, of box trucks that they're uh, helping to move materials around in Ukraine. But then they take those same trucks at, that they'll bring boxes of food and, and supplies and they'll load up people who are wanting to go to Poland, Romania, Moldova, Czech Republic, and in the surrounding areas. So 
they're they're kind of functioning in both ways uh, to people, just like Lydia. And uh, some of them are saying, "I'm not leaving. This is my home." And so uh, Lydia says that uh, that uh, praise God that uh, that they were able to uh, provide her the the things that she needs to exist uh, because she didn't have any other options. Andy, you guys at Feed My Starving Children are engaged around the world in seventy countries. When you um, when you consider the needs around the world today and the abundance in which we live here in the United States. Um, you know, as a Christian, like, how do you help people make that connection? How do you move a person to recognize their abundance, um, to recognize all that's stored up in the barns of their life and get those people to release resources um, so that other people might simply live? Sure. You know, Carmen, it's always an invitation, just like what Jesus did for us. It's an invitation. He didn't come and beat people over the head and uh, and have forced followers. He uh, he shared the opportunity. And so, um, you know, I, I go to things like Matthew twenty five, where uh, the 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 story of the talents and uh, and and you know the guy that got five bags, the guy that got two bags, and the guy that got one bag. And uh, what we try to help people understand is God's not going to ask you for more than you can do. But he is going to expect with the gifts that he's given you that you put them to use. And, uh, and the way that I say that is don't be a one-bag guy if, you're, uh, if you're, you're capable of being a two-bag guy. Be a two-bag guy. But you might be a five-bag guy. And I would just challenge a lot of people to consider that. And, and I say it this way, Carmen, Satan has lulled us to sleep in our abundance. And, uh, and so as Christians, and part of why we love the partnership that we have with Faith Radio and uh, the work that you are doing is that we are feeding God's children hungry in body and spirit. And as Christ followers, that's what we're called to do, that we can share the need like what we do with Feed My Starving Children, but ultimately that uh, across your airwaves to be that invitation and to challenge people. And, and Jesus said to a lot of people, wake up. That's what we want. And ultimately, that if people can understand by stepping into generosity, that you're serving God. And, uh, and, and there's so many ways that you can do that. We hope you consider what we do here with Feed My Starving Children and Faith Radio to keep that good news flowing is critical. And that's why our donors love to be able to, to partner together because of that. So if you're a, if you're a five-bag guy, act like it. I love that. So um, early on in our conversation, you talked about the volunteer opportunities at your packing centers in Minneapolis, Chicago, Dallas, and Phoenix, which if you're listening right now and you want to know more about um, volunteering at a packing facility or you want to host, um, you want to host one at your church or your business, you can, you can find all the information at FMSC, Feed My Starving Children, FMSC.org. And we have a testimony from Jacqueline. Jacqueline um, texted in and said, oh, I had a wonderful experience volunteering with FMSC. And then I asked her to tell us a little bit more. And she says, well, I volunteered several times with teams from my church. You fill your role um, with a group of eight to 10 others. um, And there's a number of other teams there as well. And at the end of two hours, it's just amazing to see the number of boxes uh, full of packaged meals and information that you get before and after helps you understand the full picture of the need and the benefits of the effort that you're giving. And it feels so good to be a part of the team. So thank you to 
um, feed my starving children for giving me the opportunity to serve on a team in a tangible way. That's from Jacqueline. I love that testimony. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks, Jacqueline. Uh, you, you are doing exactly, we say, turn hunger into hope with your own two hands. And uh, you put on that hairnet, and I promise you, uh, your life will be enhanced, and uh, you'll have a better understanding of uh, exactly the, uh, the the opportunity. And we'll tell you a few stories to help you understand the impact that you can have by simply acting. It's so great, um, Andy. Let us um, let us pray for you um, mm-hmm. as we conclude this conversation. Thank Father, you. thank you so much for Andy. Thank you for um, everyone engaged in the Feed My Starving Children ministry. Thank you for their ministry partners. Um, Thank you for um, the folks specifically at Mission Eurasia, but Father, also for the nine other um, agencies and organizations through which Feed My Starving Children is is networking to meet real needs of real people today, um, not only in Ukraine, but in the surrounding countries. And thank you for their ministry partners in 70 countries around the world. Father, um, we know that we're talking about logistics and we're talking about things that are material, but ultimately we're talking about people who are hungry, for whom you have provided provision in this particular way. So thank you, Father, for inviting us in to be your hands, um, to be your people of resource in these days. I ask a particular blessing upon Andy um, as he continues to tell the story and continues to um, help make happen your heart's desire that people around the world would in fact be fed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Carmen, and thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. That's Andy Carr. You guys can find more at Feed My Starving Children. That's fmsc.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I'm hearing from others of you about your engagement with Feed My Starving Children. Um, Katie says that it was uh, it was her 40th birthday party. She got 40 people together to volunteer at Feed My Starving Children. And we had people from all faiths and walks of life join her in uh, people joined her from work as well as friends and family. It was a wonderful night. Kim texted in that this was the favorite birthday party that she did for her kids when they were young. And after they had the packing party at Feed My Starving Children, they'd take the kids out for pizza and they had a much greater appreciation for whatever they were served. Hey, you guys are just full of great ideas. Um, All right. Love you. Thanks for the time together today. That's all we've got time for. Check us out online, MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.